This is Mike Burek, your host and producer of Kranitsya, The Well, a podcast series about interesting and noteworthy Ukrainians from around the globe. Today is September 1st, 2022. Our guest for this episode is Marina Sorina, who is a Ukrainian expat now living in Italy. This episode is produced for the Ukrainian Weekly, a Ukrainian newspaper published in English in the U.S. since 1933. Welcome, Marina. How are you? Hello. I'm very glad to join you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Kranitsya. So I'm very curious about how and why you got to Italy and when. Well, it's a kind of a typical story because I came here from Israel. So I was actually born in Kharkiv in a Jewish family. So I emigrated in order to study in Israel and to become a teacher. But the things got romantic with an Italian guy. So I traveled to join, to meet him uh, and his family in Italy. And they liked me so much that they insisted that I stay. So that's how my destiny was focused on Verona, on Italy. And when did you come to Italy? It was uh, February 1995, so 27 years ago. So can you talk a little bit about your educational and professional background? Sure. I uh, studied uh, Russian literature and comparative literature, let's say, here in Italy. I got my PhD degree, so I spent a lot of years in academia hoping to become a teacher, a professor, just to continue my family tradition because my grand grandmother and grand-grandmother were both uh, university professors. So I wanted to be no less than them in this new country, but that was too high a goal for me to reach. So after my PhD, I trained to be a tour guide, which is still kind of lecturing people about historical curiosity. So I'm basically a tour guide in Verona and Mantova. And I also make some translations, whatever is connected to my, um, let's say, to the knowledge, uh, my linguistic knowledge. Is there a very large Ukrainian community in Italy? Yeah, sure. It's one of the biggest groups uh, of foreigners in Italy. If I'm not wrong, we are on fifth place, or we used to be, because obviously things changed this year. Uh, the biggest group is Romanians, but they are not extra communitary, so they are not counted separately. And we have Morocco, Albania, Chinese, and the fourth place is being held by Ukrainians. Uh, there are about 260,000 of them in Italy, totally. And at the current time with the war in Ukraine, how many Ukrainian war refugees have come to mm-hmm. So the statistics that I have, they, uh, they are going back to April, it was about 50,000 persons. And uh, specifically in Verona, we have about 2,400 uh, 2, of them, but that was in April. I think for now we reached about 3,000 new people coming to Veronese um, area. And this would be in addition to the 260,000 Ukrainians already. Yes, yes, exactly. But, you know, those numbers that are not very steady. I mean, they are continually changing because people come and go. uh, Babies are born. Somebody dies. So it's uh, very hard to count them. So I'm curious about the Ukrainian community in Italy. 
when did it first develop? Does it go back to the beginning of the 20th century? No, 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 no. The only old community in uh, Italy is uh, Chinese. They do actually come, uh, they started coming in the 20s of the last century. The Ukrainians started coming just like me in the end of the 90s. It was mainly working migration of single middle-aged ladies. So there were no families. Families were kind of exception. There were no half-qualified, except maybe some artists or single singles person. The majority was coming from, from the border areas of Ukraine, of uh, Western Ukraine, from Carpathia, from say Polish border. And they were mainly coming here to work, dreaming about going back and having better life after they earn some money here. But this temporary situation became permanent and they stayed because somebody got married, somebody liked Italy, somebody bought a flat here. So they are always living, let's say, dreaming about coming back, but knowing that it will never happen, especially now that everything is very different. And I just read recently that a lot of these middle-aged Ukrainian ladies came to Italy mm-hmm. to work as uh, help for the elderly because in Italy, it's not accepted that people should go to a nursing home when they get. It's not that it's not accepted. They're very expensive. An average family cannot afford paying the same amount of money or even bigger than you pay for the rent just for keeping your granny safe somewhere. And there are no, uh, let's say, state welfare structures for elderly people. So they usually pay somebody to take care. And from one point of view, it's a very positive thing because that allows uh, younger Italians to be um, more free to work more and it uh, assures a safe and um, protected old age to those who need to be taken care of. But in the same time, there are a lot of Ukrainian professionals like me or my friends who have a university degree or even a couple of them who are living in a shadow of this stereotype. Like the Ukrainians are equal to uh, caregivers, nothing else. No Ukrainian managers, no Ukrainian lawyers or dentists, although they are. But this kind of stigma, this kind of stereotype pushed, uh, let's say, middle-class Ukrainian professionals to forget or try to forget or try to hide their roots, their origins. They were not pushing too much to let their Italian friends know that they are from Ukraine. They would gladly change their surnames if they could, as many Romanians did, for example, or they could simplify their name they would become maybe Giovanni and not no Ivan. And it was a, uh, that kind of assimilation that made them feel comfortable for a very long time. But in the same time, it served kind of bad service to the reputation of community as a whole. And so when did these young Ukrainian professionals start coming to Italy? <laughs> well, uh, some of them are second generation, actually. So they are children who are climbing on the shoulders of their mothers that made a lot of hard work in order to send them to university. And 10 years later, here they are, perfectly integrated 
maybe without citizenship or but for sure with a permanent permit to stay or some of them were ladies who were getting married to well-off Italians who were looking for a, let's say slavish wife which was another stereotype that I actually hate and those ladies half of them just stayed at home taking care of babies and always hiding uh, putting aside their identity or some another half they just went on for uh, good paid jobs and good education and do you have a formal ukrainian organization it would be impossible because ukrainians here are very individual every town has its own association or even a couple of them fighting among them though so there is only a kind of uh, let's say monthly assembly of different uh, associations because now we have common problems and common enemies and in the past i mean the last five years we had some cultural festivals where we would gather but they were more or less regional festivals but there is no com common organization that would unite every single group there is not even a mapping of every ukrainian association because again they 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 are born, they die, they change names, they group together, they split. It's all very dynamic. At the current time, how easy or difficult is it for Ukrainians, particularly the refugees, to find work in Italy? That's a very sad issue because in order to find a job, you have to have documents. And in order to have regular documents, which means permit to stay for temporary protection, you need a home where you live. You need a fixed residence. And if you don't have any, you cannot find a job. So you can be a programmer or a grain dealer or a musician. I give precise examples of people I know. But if you don't have a place to stay, you cannot find anything. And many people have to accept low-paid jobs or temporary jobs or uh, not documented jobs, which is not good. And many of them are living for better countries such as Germany, Holland, where their professionality can be appreciated as it should be. And does the Italian government have a specific program available for Ukrainian war refugees? Unfortunately, I wouldn't like to be too critical, but I cannot go soft on them because they promised a lot. They did maybe half of what they promised, but even what they promised was not sufficient because there are no integrated programs that would give language courses, uh, job placements, and, and maybe some lodging um, help. So they even, they, they promised some uh, money, some like pocket money, but we are speaking about 300 euros for three times, which is even less than you can, less than minimum. But they couldn't even arrange for a normally working website on which people could register and be sure that their data are recorded. And those who managed to get registered, they got no money. Like they've been waiting and waiting and waiting three months, four months, nothing. Some others got three months altogether, others got only one. So there is no regularity even in what um, Italian government suggested. And there are no chances anyone could rent a flat. Uh, there are no programs for um, language, even for, for, for language training courses. 
And there are so many difficulties that maybe half of people who have chosen Italy in the beginning, they came back home to to Ukraine, preferring to stay in a unsafe and uh, destroyed uh, environment than to be in sunny and beautiful Italy, but with no guarantees and no help. You mentioned earlier that there really is no specific mapping of where you mm-hmm. are in Italy. But from your experience, what is your sense? What cities or towns are they settling in primarily? Obviously, those are the biggest towns where you can find more work. So it's Milan, Rome, Naples, and Bologna. And I think that the best one is Rome. Actually, our capital city is quite a mess for everything. But the Ukrainian community there is incredibly well-organized, very strong. Also because there is Vatican. So there is Catholic Church nearby with all the little organizations and groups that are providing help. And uh, there are very strong leaders there and also in Milan. And they are really amazing. And they were so active even before 1940. So before Maidan, they were already strong organizations. So they got only stronger and stronger with time and they improved their uh, methods and their reputation is quite strong. And I must say that my organization, my association that is called Malva di Ukraina, Malva is a flower. I'm not sure how it's called in uh, English, but it's a very useful flower that people drink when they are ill to get well. So our organization is about 60 volunteers and we do have a positive reputation. What would you say is the greatest challenge for Ukrainians in Italy right now? I would say that it's very important to distinguish our idealistic perception of Italy as a sunny and beautiful place and not to get bitterly disappointed inside your soul when you see the reality of Italy, which is really something that makes you feel that Ukraine was much more developed country than Italy is now. Uh, For everything that regards bureaucratic procedures, documents, Ukraine was much better, more digital, more fast, more responsible. So uh, I would suggest to Ukrainian Ukrainians in Italy, not to let themselves be disappointed, to go on fighting for finding their place in Italy, because when the first barriers will be overcome, when they will overcome all the first uh, bureaucratic barriers, they will see that it's a safe and nice place to see, more than enough to bring up your children, very good for elderly people, or for people with health problems, not so good for young and ambitious. And it's an Italian's problem that they are losing all the Ukrainians that could contribute to local economy. So fight the first negative impression and push on, press on, in order to find your place under Italian sun. Marina, we are just about out of time, but I did want to ask you my final question, which Mm -hmm. is, we chatted a little bit before about you running for parliament in Italy. What's, yep. what's that all about? Well, uh, when I started helping refugees in uh, February, March, I saw that the problems are systematic. I can save one person, one family, uh, find a job, find a work once. But it's not my duty. It's the government who has to take care of those in need. And they're actually trained for that. 
they get money for that, but they do not what they should. So I saw that the changes might be done on political level. And I joined a party that is the only one in Italy that is clearly on our side. They're called Europa, Pure Europa plus Europe. And they are basic liberal democratics. And just uh, to mention one, we have a British lady reigning for Senate together with me, with my same group. So they're very open for, uh, to people with different origin. They are absolutely uh, pro-Ukrainian. Their, their main task is fighting for human rights, which is the same thing that Ukraine wanted in, when they started Maidan, for the diversity, for the ecology, and for many other little things that usually bigger parties do not care about. Because um, speaking about euthanasia or legalization of uh, cannabis is not something that makes you popular. But we are not looking for popularity. If we get our 3%, we'll be happy enough. So when is the election? It's on 25th of September. Well, best of luck with that. Thank you. I have been speaking with Marina Sorina, who is a Ukrainian expat living in Italy, actually, since the 1990s. And this is Mike Burek, your host and producer of Kedinitsia, The Well, a podcast series about interesting and notable Ukrainians from around the globe. This episode has been produced for the Ukrainian Weekly, an English language newspaper published in the U.S. since 1933 and focused on a global Ukrainian community. Until next time, that's all for now.